Hi, and welcome to the first episode of Reading with Mirabel. And today, we're going to be reading The Witches by Roald Dahl. A note about witches. In fairy tales, witches always wear silly black hats and black cloaks, and they ride on broomsticks. But this is not a fairy tale. This is about real witches. The most important thing you should know about real witches is this. Listen very carefully. Never forget what is coming next. Real witches dress in ordinary clothes and look very much like ordinary women. They live in ordinary houses and they work in ordinary jobs. That is why they're very, very hard to catch. A real witch hates children with a red-hot sizzling hatred that is more sizzling and red-hot than any hatred you could possibly imagine. A real witch spends all her time plotting to get rid of the children in her particular territory. Her passion to do any way with them, one by one. It is all she thinks about the whole day long, even if she's working as a cashier in a, in a supermarket, or typing letters for businessmen, or driving around in, in a fancy car. And she could be doing any of those things. Her mind will always be plotting and scheming and churning and burning and whizzing and fizzing with murderous, bloodthirsty thoughts. Which child, she says to herself all day long, Exactly, which child shall I choose for my next squelching? A real witch gets the same pleasure from squelching a child as you get from eating a plate full of strawberries and thick cream. She reckons on doing away with one child a week. Anything less than that, she becomes a grumpy. One child a week is 52 a year. Squish them and squiggle them and make them disappear. That is a motto for all witches. Very carefully, a victim is chosen. Then the witch stalks the wretched child like a hunter, stalking a little bird in the forest. She treads softly. She moves quietly. She gets closer and closer. Then at last, when everything is ready, whist, and, whist, and sparks fly, flames leap, oil bowls, rats house, skin shrouds, and the child disappears. A witch, you must understand, does not knock on, knock children on the head or stick knives into them or shoot them with a pistol. People who do those things get caught by the police. A witch never gets caught. Don't forget that she has magic in her fingers and deliberately dancing in her blood. She can make stones jump up about like frogs, and she can make tongues of flame go flickering across the surface of the water. These magic powers are very frightening. Luckily, there are not a great number of real witches in the world today, but they are still quite enough to make you nervous. In England, there are probably about 100 of them altogether. Some countries have more. Other countries have quite have not quite so many. No country in the world is completely free of witches. A witch is always a woman, 
I did not wish to speak badly about women. Most women are lovely, but the fact remains that all witches are women. There's no such thing as a male witch. On the other hand, there's a how is always a male, so indeed it's a barhest. Both are dangerous, but neither of them is half as dangerous as a real witch. As far as children are concerned, a real witch is easily the most dangerous of all living creatures on earth. What makes her doubly dangerous is the fact that she doesn't look dangerous. Even when you know all secrets, you will hear about those in a minute. You can still never be quite sure whether it is a witch you're gazing at or just a kind lady. If a tiger were able to make himself look like a large dog with a waggly tail, you'd probably go up and pat him on the head, and that would be the end for you. It is the same with witches; they all look like nice ladies. Kindly examine the picture below. Which lady is the witch? And if you do have this book, you can definitely see um the picture, and I'll try to um upload as many pictures as possible. They all look like nice ladies. Which lady is the witch? That is a difficult question, but it is one that every child must try to answer. For all you know, a witch might be living next door to you right now, or. She might be the woman with the with the bright eyes who sat opposite you in the bus this morning. She might be the lady with dazzling smile who offered you a sweet from a white paper bag in the street before lunch. She might even, and this will make you jump. She might even be your lovely school teacher who's reading the words to you at this very moment. Look carefully at that teacher. Perhaps she's smiling at this absurdity of such a suggestion. Don't let that put you off. It could be a part of her cleverness. I'm not, of course, telling you for one second that your teacher is actually a witch. All I'm saying is that she might be one. It's most unlikely, but and here comes out a big but. It's not possible. Oh, if only there was a way of telling for sure whether a woman was a witch or not. Then we, then we would round them all up and put them in the meat grinder. Unhappily, there is no such way. But there are a number of small signals you can look out for. Little quirky habits that all witches have in common. And if you know about these, if you remember them always, then you might just possibly. Manage to escape from being squelched before you are very much older. My grandmother. I myself have two separate encounters with witches before I was eight years old. From the first time I escaped unharmed, but on the second occasion I was not so lucky. Things happen to me that will probably make you scream when you read about them. That can't be helped. The truth must be told. The fact that I'm still here and able to speak to you, however peculiar I may look, is due to entirely to my wonderful grandmother. My grandmother is Norwegian, 
The Norwegians know all about witches, for Norway, with its black forest and icy mountains, is where the first witches came from. My father and my mother were also Norwegian, but my father had a, had a business in England. I had been born there and lived there and started going to an English school twice a year at Christmas in the summer. We went back to Norway to visit my grandmother. This old lady, as far as I could gather, was just about only surviving relative we had on the other side of our family. She was my mother's mother, and I absolutely adored her. When she and I were together, we spoke in either Norwegian or English. It didn't matter which. We were equally fluent in both languages. I have to admit that I felt closer to her than my than my mother. Soon after my seventh birthday, my parents took me as an unusual to spend Christmas with my grandmother in Norway. And it was over there while my father and mother and I were driving an icy weather just north of Oslo that our car skidded off the road and went tumbling down into a rocky ravine. My parents were killed. I was firmly strapped into the back seat and received only a cut on my forehead. I wouldn't go into the horrors of the terrible afternoon. I still get the shivers when I think of it. I finished up, of course, back in my grandmother's house with her arms around me, me tight, and both of us crying the whole night long. What are we do, going to do now? I asked her through, through the tears. You will stay here with me, she said. I will look after you. Aren't I going back to England? No, she said. I could never do that. Heaven shall take my soul, but Norway shall keep my bones. The very next day, in order that we met, might both try to forget our great sadness, my grandmother started telling me stories. She, w- she was a wonderful storyteller and I was enthralled by everything she told me. But I didn't become really excited until she got to the subject of witches. She was apparently a great expert on these creatures, and she made it very clear to me that her witch stories, unlike most of the others, were not imaginary tales. They were all true. They were in the gospel truth. They were in history. Everything she was telling me about witches and act had actually happened, and I better believe it. What was worse, what was far, far worse, was that witches were still with us. They were all around us, and I had better believe that too. Are you really being truthful, Grandmama? Really and truly truthful. My darling, she said, you won't last long in this world if you don't know how to spot a witch when you see one. But you told me that witches look like ordinary women, Grandmama. So how can I spot them? You must listen to me, my grandmother said. You must remember everything I tell you. After that, all you can do is cross your heart and pray to heaven and hope for the best. We were in a big living room 
of her house in Oslo, and I was ready for bed. The curtains were never drawn in the house, and through the windows I could see huge snowflakes falling slowly to an outside world. That was all black as tar. My grandmother was tremendously old and wrinkled, with a massive white tooth which was smothered in gray lace. She sat there majestic in her armchair, feeling every inch of it. Not even a mouse could have squeezed in to sit beside her. I myself, just seven years old, was crouched on the floor at her feet, wearing pajamas, dressing gowns, and slippers. You swear you aren't pulling my leg, I kept saying to her. You swear you aren't just pretending. Listen, she said. I have known no less than five children who simply vanished off the face of this earth, never to be seen again. The witches took them, and I think you're trying to frighten me. I said, "I'm trying to make sure you don't go the same way." She said, "I love you, and I want you to stay with me." Tell me about the children who disappeared. I said. My grandmother was my only grandmother I'd ever met who smoked cigars. She lit one now—a long black cigar that smelled of burning rubber. The first, the first child I knew who disappeared, she said, was called Ranghild Hansen. Ranghild was about eight at the time, and she was playing with her little sister on the lawn. Their mother. Who was baking and bread in the kitchen came outside for a breath of air. Where's Ragnhild? She asked. She went away with a tall lady, said the little sister. What tall lady? The mother said. The tall lady with white gloves. The little sister said. She took Ragnhild by the hand and led her away. No one, my mother said, ever saw Ragnhild again. Didn't they search for her? They searched for miles around. Everyone in the town helped, but they never found her. What happened to the other four children? Asked. They vanished, just as Ranghill did. How, Grandmama? How did they vanish? In every case, a strange lay was seen outside the house just before it happened. But how did they vanish? I asked. The second one was peculiar. My grandmother said. There was a family called Christiansen. They lived on the Holmenkollen, and they had an old oil painting in the living room, which they were very proud of. The painting showed ducks in the yard outside the farmhouse. There were no people in the painting, just a flock of ducks and grassy farmyards, and. The farmhouse. In the background, it was a large painting, a rather pretty. Well, one day, their daughter Solveig came home from school eating an apple. She said a nice lady had given it to me. On her street, the next morning Solveig was not in her bed. The parents searched everywhere, but they couldn't find her. Then all of her sudden, father shouted, "There she is!" That's Solveig feeding the ducks. He was pointing at the oil painting, and sure enough, Solveig was in it. 
She was standing in the farmyard in the act of throwing bread to the ducks out of the basket. The father rushed up to the painting and touched her, but that didn't help. She was simply a part of the painting, just picture painted on the canvas. Did you ever see the painting, Grandma? With the little girl in it. Many times, my grandmother said. And the peculiar thing was that the little Sylvia kept changing her position in the picture. One day, one day she would actually be inside the farmhouse, and you could see her face looking out the window. Another day, she'd be far over to the left with a duck in her arms. Did you see her moving in the picture, Grandma? Nobody did. Whatever she was. Whether outside feeding the ducks or inside looking out of the window, she was always motionless. She was a figure painted in oils. It was all very odd, my grandmother said. Very odd indeed. And what, what was most of all was that all, as the years went by, she kept growing older in the picture. In ten years, the small girl had become a young woman. In thirty years, she was middle-aged. Then all at once, 54 years later, after it all happened, she disappeared from the picture altogether. You mean she died, I said? Who knows, my grandma said. Some very mysterious things grow in the world of witches. That's who you've told me about, I said. What happened to the third one? The third one is Birgit Svensson, my grandmother said. She lived just across the road from us. One day she started growing feathers all over her body. Within a month she had turned to large white chickens. Her parents kept her for years in a pen in the garden. She even laid eggs. What colour eggs, I said. Brown ones, my grandmother said. Biggest eggs I've ever seen in my life. Her mother made omelettes out of them. Delicious they were. I gazed up at my grandmother, who sat there like some ancient queen on, t- on her throne. Her eyes were misty grey and they seemed to be looking at something many miles away. The cigar was the only real thing about her in that, at that moment. And the smoke it made blowed around her head in blue clouds. But the little girl who became a chicken didn't disappear, I said. No, not Birgit. She lived on the farm for many, many years, laying her brown eggs. She said all of them disappeared. I made a mistake, my grandmother said. I'm getting old. I can't remember everything. What, what happened to the fourth child, I asked. The fourth was a boy called Harald, my grandmother said. One morning his skin went all greyish-yellow, then it became hard and crackling, like the shell of a nut. By evening the boy had turned into stone. Stone, I said? You mean real stone? Granite, she said. I'll take you to see him if you like. They still keep him in the house. He stands in the hall, a little stone statue. 
Visitors cleaned the umbrellas up against him. Although I was very young, I was not prepared to believe everything my grandmother told me, and yet she spoke with such conviction, with such utter seriousness, and with never a smile on her face or a twinkle in her eye, that I found myself beginning to wonder. Go on, Grandmama, I told her. You told me there were five altogether. What happened to the last one? Would you like a puff on my cigar? She said. I'm only seven, Grandmama. I don't care your age. She said. You'll never catch a cold if you smoke cigars. What about number seven, Grandma? Number five, Grandmama. Number five, she said, chewing the end of her cigar as, as though it was a delicious asparagus. It was a rather interesting kiss. A nine-year-old boy called Leif was summer holidaying with his family on the fjord, and the whole family was picnicking and swimming off thorn rocks on one of these little islands. Young Leif dived into the water, and his father, who was watching him, noted that he stayed under the water for an unusually long time. When he came to the surface, at least he wasn't Leif anymore. What was he, Grandmama? He was a porpoise. He wasn't. He couldn't have been. It was a youngy, lovely young porpoise. She said, as friendly as could be. Grandmama, I said, yes, my darling. Did he really turn into a porpoise? Absolutely, she said. I knew his mother well. She told me all about him. She told me that Leif, the porpoise, stayed with them all afternoon, giving his brothers and sisters a ride on his back. They had a wonderful time. Then he waved a flipper and swam away, never to be seen again. But Grandmama, I said, how do they know that the porpoise was actually Leif? He talked to them. My grandmother said. He laughed and joked with them all the time. He was giving them rides, but there wasn't there. But it wasn't there a most tremendous fuss when his when this happened. I asked. Not much, my grandmother said. You must remember that in here, Norway, we're used to that sort of thing. There are witches everywhere. There are probably one living in your street this very moment. It's time you went to bed. A witch can come in through my window in the night, would she? I asked, quaking. Well, no, my grandma said. A witch will never do silly things, climbing up drain pipes or breaking into people's houses. You'll be quite safe in your bed. Come on along. I'll tuck you in. And that's it for today. And hopefully you guys liked the first episode of The Witches by Roald Dahl. And see you guys next time.